You know, Jen, we live in a world where many people believe that happiness is the result of success or winning. You're right. Just ask any influencer on Instagram how setting a new personal record for likes makes them feel. (laughs) But it seems that it could actually be the other way around. So wait, is happiness actually a choice? That's what we're talking about today. The Speakeasy Podcast, real talk about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Karen Steffel. And I'm Jen Estel. Managing creativity and business, we probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. Before we get going, I want to talk about this beverage because it is so warm and comforting. It's perfect for right now. It is 100% perfect. And listeners take note, it's non-alcoholic. So that's a big stretch for Karen and I most days. <laughs> but it is one of my favorite warm beverages. It's a chai. This is the Indian masala chai. It's the traditional way to make chai homemade without having to get one of those wax boxes uh, at the market and mix it with some milk. So um, basically what you do is you have cinnamon and cardamom and ginger and nutmeg and milk and then a little bit of uh, English tea. Uh, so you to check it out. It's really warm and um, savory and creamy and comforting. And the, the great thing about this drink is when you go through the process of making it yourself, you get to experience it for so much longer, right? So you're experiencing it when you're putting the masala mixed together, cloves and nutmeg and ginger and all the beautiful things in there. And then when you're making it, that smell comes and gets you. And then you get to sit down and enjoy the tea. It's a beauty. Yeah. And so your your home or your office gets to smell uh, like this beautiful beverage, um, which is way different than doing a drive-thru, right? It's way different than a drive-thru. Check it out for sure. But that leads me into this this topic. So listeners, Karen and I have been rolling around how to approach this topic of happiness for a minute because, um, well, because of a lot of things. And my top line where I'm going to start this is, Sometimes the idea of happiness as it's approached in our culture really pisses me off. It feels commoditized and capitalized and... Insincere? Insincere. Oh my Mm -hmm. goodness. I mean, there's a ton of content out there about self-care and being happy and it's as easy as this. And I, we think it's more complicated than that. Yes. I, I, I want to make sure that it's stressed that we're not talking. I'm, I'm not saying that just be happy is some sort of substitute for um, uh, taking your mental wellness uh, very seriously, any professional help that you get, medications that you may uh, be on and require. We are not psychologists. We are not mental health experts. So we'll just say that right off the bat. We're not talking about how to manage your way out of a crisis um, or out of, um, you know, a, a mental well-being concern. Right. And we're not, I don't, I also don't think we're qualified to talk about life circumstances that leave someone very stretched thin or in a very precarious situation. There are too many people in this world who are too busy making sure they can patch everything together to even think about how they approach happiness. And the fact that we can even have that conversation speaks volumes to how lucky we are, frankly, right? Absolutely. So I think really what we're talking about is what you can control versus what you can't control, right? Again, 
the things that are out of your control are your maybe your genetic wiring, predisposition to depression or anxiety, uh, real trauma and hardship. Um, but we're talking about the things that are in your control. And we have yeah. lots of that. And I'd like to that. focus. I'd like to focus on that for a minute. I think that's great. And and I think to refine that further, we're focusing on your reactions to the things that are within your control and how you approach your day-to-day life or approach the things that are within your control. Would you say that's accurate, Kay? Absolutely. Uh, it, it is a bit of the glass half full or half empty conversation. There are studies that's, that show that people are sometimes more predisposed to optimism or happiness than others. Um, but again, it's how you react to things, as you were saying. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's very easy to be negative and it is very easy to complain. And oftentimes a little bit of criticism or complaint is a great entry into a conversation it lubricates things. Everyone can complain about icy roads, for example, right? There are always things we can do or be critical of and find unity with the people around us. So it's easy to rely on that tactic, but then that becomes habitual and then it can become the lens through which you look at almost everything. And so we're wondering if you can flip your lens maybe that's a good thing to practice. Yeah. And I, and I think, uh, you know, if our position here is that happiness is a choice, then like any reaction, it, it's about muscle memory. It's about working at it. So um, let's dive in a little bit more about the commoditization of happiness. It's funny because there's that, you know, money can't buy you happiness or whatever. And, and to a certain extent, that is a lie. To the extent that money can buy you a safe home, it can buy you protections and good education for your children. Money can do a lot of things to make your life easier, which then makes you happier. So we're just going to dispel with this money can't buy happiness baloney, because I think that that's not true. But at the same time... But at the same time... If you use your money to continue to find happiness, you're not going to find it underneath a pedicure. You're not going to find it underneath a facelift. Right. I mean, those things, like, we'll be honest, those things do make you superficially happy or delighted in the moment, but you shouldn't need those things to be happy, right? You shouldn't need constant input or constant infusions of buying new stuff in order to become and be happy. Mm -hmm. It's a complicated conversation. I thought this was going to be an easy thing for us to talk about, but it's really layered and weird. It makes me think of like that saying that if you want what you have, then you haven't gone without. Interesting. Yeah. I think if you are waiting for something to make you happy, then you're doing it backwards, right? Joy is not going to just jump up and slap you in the face. That's not how it works. No. Good point. And so it's not easy. It takes work. You know, I have been, you know, I'm transparent and I have had anxiety my whole life. Um, it, it has beaten happiness right out of me on a number of occasions and in different seasons of my life. And I know that there are th- certain things I have to have in place to keep it at bay or to keep it, you know, from having grips on me. And those are lifestyle choices that I have to make. So I have to work at it. Um, I think I'm a natural optimist. I think I am a generally happy person. But there are times where 
you got to work on it. I'm telling you, (laughs) certainly 2020 was a weird work on it. (laughs) But, you know, there are certain things that bring me joy and make me happy and making sure that they're present. So, I mean, we had this conversation, like how many times have we shared that like being outdoors, that's something we have in common. Like being outdoors truly brings me joy. And I know that if I'm in a funk, if I just take a walk, I can get myself out. That's true. Yeah, and I know being near water, whether I'm walking or not, just being able to look at water makes me calm and that makes me happy. And it's funny that you talk about the muscle memory situation because I think that is so true. I am by nature not a morning person. I could sleep until noon or one o'clock and be perfectly happy with that. However, you can't really function in today's society, the eight to five world, by sleeping till noon. At least I can't. So I have to get up earlier than I want to. And I have this super dorky thing I do every morning. I wake up and I sit up in bed and I say to myself, I am so happy to be awake. I can't wait to get to blah, blah, blah. I don't care what blah, blah, blah is. The, the, the script changes every day. But I tell my brain that I'm happy to be where I am almost every single day. And, and it doesn't happen in a happy voice. It almost happens in a robot voice because it's a habit that I have to work on, but it somehow moves my head and reminds me that that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to be happy about it. I'm not going to be pissy. Yeah. I my One of my favorite fitness trainers, almost every time I watch one of her workouts and do one of her workouts, she says, remember, you didn't have, you didn't have to work out today. You got to work out today. And it's like realigning the the gift that being able to move your body is that that shift between i have to and i get to is huge that's such a good one to use Mm -hmm. i love that and you can you can use that in any you know i get to get up and clean the house because i have a house and i am able-bodied right so a lot of it is your lens and choosing how you're going to approach an individual task right yeah and and while you mentioned the word lens I'm going to just plug a TED Talk really, really quick, if that's cool with you. Um, if you want to get a, an amazing like 15-minute shot in the arm, uh, watch the TED Talk by a man named DeWitt Jones. He's a former National Geographic photographer, and he uses the metaphor of the camera of changing a lens and how that can change the world and change your view on life and change your own life. So... Um, in a world where sometimes it's so easy to listen to the news and be discouraged or to look at what we're, what we've been going through and be discouraged. I just can't, uh, I can't overstate how powerful that Ted talk was in my life. And it's a couple years old still. So that's a DeWitt Jones national geographic Ted talk. Good one. And we'll put those in the notes so that everyone can find it. They can check our website and you can link right to it. I don't know. It's interesting to talk about this one. I appreciate this. I think the homework, and I don't know if we're not done talking yet, but the homework I'm taking away from this is to start to look at distinct areas of my life and not not look at happy as a state of being, but but rather as a micro choice that I'm making along the way. And something you said made me think that I think some of my homework is going to be looking at people in my life and figuring out one thing I can do to make them happier. And that might not be saving the world and it might not be giving 
a giant raise or a giant donation. It can be a micro thing. And so I wonder how we can look at happiness in in small moments and where we're bringing light to moments in our lives or in the lives of others so that we just, you know, add more sand to the beach, so to speak. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things, one of our house rules, we only have three, be kind, be safe and be respectful. And um, I think kindness, you can be kind to anyone. You can be kind to strangers. You can be kind over the phone. You can be kind to the people that you live with. <laughs> you know, I think kindness goes a huge, uh, a really far way. And I think when you're kind to others, when I am kind and I see the reaction of my kindness on somebody else's face, that makes me happy. Yeah, it is It is nice to feel like you have the power to delight somebody or make their day brighter. And I'm sure, and we all have that power in a million different ways. Well, and you have the power to shit on somebody's day too. And that's a choice, just as much as being kind. You know, my uncle, he's like 70 something. He'll always be 70 something in my mind, no matter what, but he's the chattiest fella. He will talk to any stranger he's ever run into and make them laugh in two minutes flat. And it's just what he does. And it's the coolest thing to watch. He can't run into anyone anywhere that he doesn't engage them in a conversation and make them smile. That's a really cool thing. I think that that's going to be my goal for 2020 to be that guy. Yeah, you're, and I, I, you know, I know your uncle, he's, he is, he's, he's a friendly fella. He's a friendly fella. He's never met a stranger. So then, okay, so I just talked about kindness. So how else, how else can we put into practice the act of happiness? The practice of happiness. I think, oh, that's a really good question, Karen. I mean... I think there are easy ways to do it when you are the first person in the meeting to speak, speak in a happy or positive way. When somebody says, how are you doing today? Just tell them something you're thankful for because that can set the tone for an hour so easily, right? Mm-hmm. Like when somebody says, oh, how how you doing today? You can be like, oh, I have so many deadlines. Or you can say, I have a really great project I get to work on, right? The have to versus get to, like like you mentioned before, Karen. I think we should aim to build a culture in which happiness is the default. I don't know how we do that. Wow. But let's just do it, all to, all of us together. I think comparison is something that is also something that we could practice doing less because it robs you of joy. Um, you know, when you compare yourself or your organization to somebody else or somebody else's organization, there's always going to be a measuring stick. Right. And and there's a place for that in business strategy, but there's not necessarily a place for that in culture. And I love that you bring that up. It takes us back to the mini rant at the beginning about our culture pretty much telling you you can buy another pedicure to be happy, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It also tells us that in order to be happy, you need to have the spouse and the 2.5 kids and the dog and the property. And, and you know, this, this, like there's one answer to the American dream. Like there's one answer to what a fulfilled, happy life is like. And we all know that that's bullshit, right? And I think mm-hmm. our culture is, is going through a time right now 
where we're we're fighting for the fact that there are different ways to be happy. There are different ways to love. There are different end results that are successful. And if we can let go to that comparison or that fact, that idea that I have to achieve X, Y, and Z, or I haven't gotten there, if we can let go of some of those perceptions, we'd all be a little happier, probably. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think we'd all do better putting some effort into being consciously connecting to the things that fulfill us personally. We as people, our family, what the family values are, whatever those are, and and going after those rather than worrying about what somebody else is doing or uh, somebody else's dreams are or somebody else's goals are. Because um, there will be always somebody who's bigger, better, better, richer, prettier, thinner. But maybe those aren't even values that you aspire to. And you can get caught up really easy into that kind of standard. You can get caught up easily into that type of standard. And I think it's easy to get caught up in thinking you should be the arbiter of someone else's standard. And so if we all sort of take a moment to realize what is happiness and what is right for you in your home doesn't apply to anybody else. And everybody else gets to make their own standard. So we could probably keep having this conversation. I find it very fascinating. But there are a couple of tactics that I think everybody can take away. So tactic number one, like I talked about, tell yourself you're happy. Tell yourself you're thankful. You might not feel it when you say it, but dang, that works. And tactic number two, Karen, you said it when we were doing planning, fake smile. <laughs> yes, uh, there was a, uh, a a seminar or something, a luncheon that I went to where the woman talked about um, fake smiling. And, and I don't mean in that insincere way. She actually recommended putting a pencil in your mouth like sitting at your desk, put a pencil across your, you know, horizontally across your mouth and that it forces a smile on your face and you can actually trigger that mouth position can trigger endorphins in your brain, which I found very, very fun. Um, I, it's not a practice I actually use, but I actually enjoy smiling at people. I also think being kind um, is something that puts happiness into the world, uh, but it also can bring you joy as well. Uh, what's another tactic? Uh, try to uh, stop comparison because it can rob you of your joy. And get to versus have to, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, so I have one you- more. Oh, yeah. What is it? Um, I don't remember who told me this, but somebody once said to me, the person you have the most conversation with in your whole life is you, your own internal dialogue. So it may as well be kind. That's a great piece of advice too. Interesting. But think about how what you're saying, what your internal dialogue and your relationship with that internal dialogue, what you're constantly saying to yourself, you believe. Right. Well, because the thing is, your your brain will your brain will have all kinds of thoughts that are unbidden. Tons of thoughts come in and out of your head that you didn't actively choose, right? Mm-hmm. So you can then actively choose to think about something else. If if your brain is thinking, I'm blah, 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 complain, complain, you can say, no, 
Instead, I'm going to think happy, 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 happy. So paying attention to the running internal dialogue to make sure that it's not bringing you down and having an intentional positive dialogue, it takes practice. It's a muscle memory, like you said before, but I think it can be really useful. And I think um, it's probably more useful than the 30-day challenge for the plank, which I do occasionally and do not like. I'd much rather have a 30-day challenge for a happy internal dialogue, I think. But if you chose the 30-day challenge for the plank, it would be because you get to. And I would be so happy that I'm able to to. do it. (laughs) Yes. And this conversation (laughs) has made me happy. I love having these, I like exploring these things. Thanks for sharing a drink with us. Talk to you next time. As owners of Creative Studios, it's our job to help our teams channel creativity into brilliant final products. At the same time, it's also our job to ensure creativity isn't inefficient, wasteful, or off the mark. Join us next time as we discuss how we channel and rein in creativity.